British Israel Church of God presents The Watchman Program The Watchman says Watch World News Watch Europe Watch China Watch Middle East The Watchman unlocks all Bible prophecy From the past, the present And the world to come And now Evangelist and commentator Peter Salemi Greetings again, everyone. This is Peter Salemi, and welcome to the Watchman Program. The so-called Christian world today assemble on Sunday. On that day, people go to church and fellowship and, of course, listen to some pastor or priest preach to them about Christian concepts, about biblical principle, for about an hour during that day on Sunday. And then, of course, after that hour, people go home and forget God and, of course, live their lives according to the dictates of their own heart instead of living the way God wants them to live. Do you find it interesting that the word Sunday is found nowhere from Genesis to Revelation? Now, I find that very interesting, that the sacred day the weekly sacred day of all of Christendom is found nowhere in the pages of your Bible. Now, of course, the first day of the week is mentioned only six times in the Bible. And in those six scriptures, you find nowhere that the church came together and assembled and had some sort of church ceremony or church uh, rite or whatever on that first day of the week, which is only mentioned six times in the pages of your Bible. Apparently, some churches base their whole concept of going to church on Sunday on Acts the 20th chapter and verse 7, where it says, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break a bread. So here they see they broke bread And they think it's an assembly of some sorts, but breaking bread just means that they had a meal. In verse 11 it says, When he therefore was come again, and had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, while, even till break of day, so he departed. So it just meant that they had a meal. It wasn't a church assembly. It wasn't a some sort of church ritual. They just got together on that first day of the week, and broke bread, had a meal, and Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So there is no church assembly, but of course most churches base it on that scripture of them breaking bread, which just means that they had a meal. So if Sunday is found nowhere in the Bible, that the six times the first day of the week is mentioned, there is no assembly, there is no church ceremony, is there a special day in the Bible that is mentioned where Christians ought to gather together to have a church assembly, and it is a special day picked by God? Is there a day that Christians ought to assemble, and it is appointed by God and commanded by God to keep? Well, there's only one, and that is the seventh day Sabbath. That seventh day Sabbath was established, and you want to look way back uh, 
in the time of Adam, and God commanded Adam to keep that Sabbath. You can read that in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. And then God, in the time of Sinai, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, gave that commandment as the fourth commandment in the Bible. In verse 8 of Exodus 20, God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So it is a holy day of Almighty God, and it was established way back in the time of Adam. And here we see God giving the Ten Commandments and reminding the Israelites of that Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day, so it's already in existence, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. So this is the Lord's day. God's day, in it, you shall do no work, your son, daughter, maid, servant, manservant, cattle, nor the stranger within your gates. Even the Gentiles that were converted unto Yahweh have kept the Sabbath day. Six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or separated it. So here is a separate day that God picked, God appointed, and it was that special day where Christians ought to assemble. Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Here is the festivals that God is revealing to Israel, and it starts with the weekly Sabbath. God says this in Leviticus 23, verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the eternal, which ye shall proclaim, proclaim to be holy convocations, that is, assemblies, that they were to assemble on these days to worship and fellowship with the Lord and with the fellow Israelites. Even these are my feasts. These are God's feasts, God's appointed days. Verse 3, six days you shall work, shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. That is the time when we should assemble on the Sabbath day. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. The Sabbath is God's day, and he even calls it my holy day. We'll get that to that a little later in the program. So the Sabbath is the Lord's day. It is proven in the pages of your Bible. Now, what about the New Testament? A lot of people think that when we come to the New Testament, all of a sudden, everything goes all wacko, and all these days that we just mentioned here, of the feast days, the weekly Sabbath, that's all done away with. Jesus came, did away with all of that, we don't have to keep that anymore, but let's look into the New Testament and see where Jesus, the day Jesus, actually kept. And before we get into that, let's go into the New Testament. Let's go into a little bit of history of the first century, and that is the New Testament. And let's go into history and see what is the day in the time of Jesus, what was the Sabbath day, when it, according to the Romans. Now, the Romans had their, of course, 
weekly cycle, which of course they got, everyone got from the Hebrews, and they gave them special names. And of course they named them after their pagan gods. And uh, so when the Romans will say a, a particular day, we know exactly what the day is, when they say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We know exactly what days they mean because our weekly cycle is, of course, named after the same days, and, of course, we carried on that weekly cycle into today. In 70 AD, when the armies came into Jerusalem and attacked Jerusalem and destroyed the entire city, Vespasian, his armies came in, and he wrote this to Caesar Augustus, he said the divine Augustus Vespasian attacked the Jews on the day of Saturn, on the day of Saturn, on which it is forbidden for them to do anything serious and prevailed. What is the day of Saturn? Well, it's obvious what the day of Saturn is. It's Saturday. We call it Saturday. It's the day of Saturn. And it was the day that the Jews kept sacred, the Sabbath day, which, of course, they even keep the same day. Today, in this modern day, the Sabbath, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, because God says you should count your days even to even, from sunset to sunset, and that is the day that the Jews kept sacred. Dio Cassius says, in his account of this uh, war with the Jews, it says, this was Jerusalem destroyed on the very day of Saturn, the day which even now the Jews reverence the most, from that time forth, it was ordered that the Jews who continue to observe their ancestral customs should pay an annual, an annual tribute of two denarii to Jupiter. So here we see the day of Saturn that the Jews kept sacred from secular history. And it is Saturday that they kept the seventh day Sabbath. So in the first century... When we read of the new, in the New Testament about the Sabbath, it is speaking of, if you want to use Roman secular history, it is speaking of Saturday, the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath. So what day did Jesus keep? Jesus went to the synagogue in Luke, the fourth chapter, in verse 16, and it says this in your Bible. It says, he, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. So as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus kept the Sabbath. You know, 1 John 3, 4 says, this is sin, the transgression of the law. The Bible says Jesus had no sin. If sin is the transgression of the law, well then Jesus had to keep the Sabbath. Because if Jesus was a Sabbath breaker, then he would have been a sinner because he broke God's law. But we know that Jesus had no sin. He was without sin, the Bible says. So Jesus had to be a Sabbath keeper, which the Bible plainly says he is. How about the Apostle Paul? Now, a lot of people think that the Apostle Paul did away with all of this uh, Sabbath-keeping, but let's go to Acts, the 13th chapter, 
And remember, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse 1, Be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. So he followed what Christ did. Now look what Acts, the 13th chapter says here. I'm sorry, Acts, the 17th chapter. And let's start in verse 2. Verse 1, it says he went into the synagogue of the Jews. And it says, Paul, as his manner was, just like Christ, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with him out of the scriptures. His manner was to go into the synagogue. And of course, when did the Jews assemble into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he reasoned with them three Sabbaths out of the scriptures. The apostle Paul said, be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. Christ kept the Sabbath. Paul kept the Sabbath. Acts the 13th chapter. Here Paul again in verse 14 says, when they departed from Perga and came into Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Here again, Paul going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, is there any scripture that shows that the Christians assembled on the Sabbath and had a church assembly? We don't find Sunday as a church assembly, but do we find Christians getting together on the Sabbath and celebrating the Sabbath? Acts, the 16th chapter, let's start in verse 11, Acts 16, verse 11, it says, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothotrea, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is a chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and they were abiding in the city certain days. So they're in the city, they're abiding there with all their, after all that traveling, and then it says in verse 13, and on the Sabbath, not Sunday, not the first day of the week, they're in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was accustomed to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And then it says certain women named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city, and which worship God heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. So they were abiding certain in the city for a certain number of days, and they assembled on the Sabbath with prayer, with fellowship. It was the Sabbath that the Christians assembled on. That was the day. That was the special day. Now we go to Acts the twenty fourth chapter, and here. Paul reveals the entire system of his worship, how the Apostle Paul actually worshipped Almighty God in Acts the 24th chapter. Here he is before the governor telling his story of what was going on with Paul. And he says here in verse 14, But this I confess unto you, this is the governor, after the way which they call hearsay, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. The Apostle Paul believed the Old Testament, and he preached it, but he preached it with Christ added to it. He believes the law. He believes in the prophets. 
And the law of God includes God's Sabbath day. He didn't do away with God's law. You can't find a scripture in the Bible that says God's law is done away. Now, I want you to get this booklet online on our website at britishisrael.ca called The Saving Works of God. And it goes through all these scriptures in great detail to show you that God's law is not done away and that the Sabbath is for Christians today. Our VP, Bill Pitsinas, will tell you how you can get that free literature. To get your free CD-ROMs, please write to us at British Israel, Church of God, 171 West Barbara Avenue, Parump, Nevada, postal code 89060, or log on to our website at www.britishisrael.ca. All right, thank you, Bill, for the address so you can get that free literature, The Saving Works of God, and it goes through all the so-called proof texts that people try to use to show that God's law is done away, and we give you the logical answers for each and every one of those proof texts. Is God's law done away? Now, I want to just go, before I get to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, let's just go to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and Again, I always say, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your pastor, or are you going to believe your Bible? Are you going to believe Jesus Christ, or are you going to believe your pastor? Jesus Christ says this in Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 17, Think not, yet it's amazing. Jesus said, think not, yet everybody thinks that God's law is done away. But he says, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill. To fulfill means to do it, to fulfill an obligation. These are juxtaposed. These are two opposites. Destroy and fulfill are not synonymous. They are antonyms. They are opposites. Again, Jesus Christ said to John the Baptist when he was going to baptize him, he said, we must fulfill all righteousness. Is baptism done away? Absolutely not. The Christian church, we see in the book of Acts, continue to baptize. He said, we must fulfill all righteousness. Read in Matthew, the third chapter. No one says baptism is done away. Yet people think fulfill means that he did away with it. No, think not that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill, to do it, to fulfill an obligation. To do it, Jesus came to perform the law and the prophets. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Now, I always do this test that uh, Ted Armstrong used to do with people. He would, when people would come up to him and say, well, I don't believe in the Sabbath, and God did away with the law, and he and he always said this, so I used to do it on people, is I would say to them, if I show you a scripture in the New Testament that says to keep the Sabbath, will you keep it? Most of the time, because of people's vanity and pride and stubbornness, say, no, I will not. So that's when I close the Bible and I say, end of discussion. I'm not going to waste my time. But there is a scripture in the Bible for Christians that says we must keep the Sabbath day. 
Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 9, it says, There remaineth, so there's something already in existence here, therefore a rest to the people of God. That word rest in the Greek is sabbatissimos, and sabbatissimos means a keeping of the Sabbath for the people of God. There remains. It's already in existence. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He says there remains a keeping of the Sabbath for the people of God. Look it up for yourself. It's there in your Bible. Question is, are you going to keep it? Are you going to be like some of the pastors that when you show them the scripture say, no, I will not keep it. I don't care what it says. That is stubbornness. That is hard-heartedness for people not to believe the Bible. They rather believe their own cherished traditions instead of what the Bible says. And isn't that sad? And we should break down the strongholds of our minds, the Bible says. Break those strongholds down and let God in. And let him fill you with the Holy Spirit that you may understand what the Word says. Now, a lot of people might go into Colossians 2, 16 and 17, and a lot of people will say, well, you see, the Apostle Paul did away with the Sabbath. But is that truly what Colossians 2, 16, 17 actually says? Here is another case of mistaken identity. If you look at Colossians, the second chapter, here Paul is dealing with the Gnostics, and you see their doctrines in this chapter, so we know that it is Gnosticism that Paul is uh, dealing with. He says in verse 4, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Notice, lest any man should beguile you, deceive you with enticing words. And then a little later on, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Notice verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and of worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. These are Gnostic uh, doctrines, and many commentaries would substantiate that fact. Verse 20, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as through the living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Not the commandments of God. These are the doctrines of men. Touch not, taste not. These are all Gnostic doctrines, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, worship, and humility, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. These are Gnostic doctrines. Notice, he kept saying, Any man, let no man beguile you, lest any man spoil you. He is speaking of the Gnostics. So let's go to Colossians 2.16, and notice what Paul says, Let 
no man. Who's he referring to here? Well, the Gnostics, like he was referring to in the other scriptures that we just read. Let no man, those are the Gnostics, therefore judge you. Paul wasn't doing the judging. The Gnostics were doing the judging. Judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day, new moon or the Sabbath days. It wasn't a question of if they were keeping these days. It was a question of how they were keeping the holy days of God and the Sabbath. This scripture doesn't show that God's law was done away. This scripture actually substantiates the fact that the church of God was keeping these days. And the Gnostics came in and they were judging them, criticizing them. They thought that they should keep these days the way the Gnostics kept these days with the worshiping of angels and the rudiments of this world and so on. They didn't like the way the Church of God were keeping these days with festivity and joy. The Gnostics didn't worship that way. They were the neglect of the body. Everything had to be serious. So the Gnostics says, Let no man therefore judge you in all these days, which these, rather, are a shadow of things to come. What was a shadow of things to come? Was, it, was he speaking of these days? No. He wasn't speaking of the Sabbath and the holy days. He was speaking of the Gnostics and their doctrines of worshipping of angels and so on. When you look at the entire chapter, and scholars have noted this, these means the Gnostics and their doctrines are a shadow of things to come. It is a prophecy of an end-time church which is filled of Gnosticism, of worshipping of angels, rudiments of the world, philosophy and vain deceit. Do you, do you know a church like that? Traditions of men. Read verse 8. That's a, I'm picking from verse 8 here. Do you know a church that worships angels, has philosophy and vain deceit, traditions of men, rudiments of the world, touch not, taste not, handle not, the commandments and doctrines of men, this is what Paul is speaking of. Those are the shadows of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Now you can take is out because it is italic, italicized. And it says, but the body, but the body of Christ. When you look at the context of that, it says, therefore let no man judge you. And these are the shadows of things to come. These philosophies and vain deceits. But the body of Christ, therefore, judge you on these days. True wisdom comes from Christ. True wisdom comes from the church of God, the Bible. He is saying, let the body, the church of Christ, judge you on these days and how to keep them. Because the church of God gets their wisdom from Christ. The church of God gets their wisdom from the Bible. So he's telling you to get true wisdom from the true source, which is God. Colossians 2.16 doesn't say that the church of God, that Paul did away with these things. Colossians 2.16 says that they kept these days and the Gnostics were criticizing them on how they kept them. Not if they kept them, but how they kept them. Now, I find it interesting that a lot of people say that 
The Sabbath is a some sort of yoke of bondage, and it's a yoke, and it's legalism, and all this other nonsense. What does God say? Isaiah, the 56th chapter, verse 2. Are you going to believe God, or are you going to believe your Bible? That's the question. Verse 2, it says, Blessed is the man that does this. So you are blessed if you do this. And the son of man that lays hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hands from doing any evil. The Bible says you are blessed if you keep God's Sabbath day. Verse 4, thus says the eternal to the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. It is a blessing, and it pleases God for you to keep his Sabbath day. Verse 6, the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the eternal, that's conversion, to serve him, to love the name of the eternal, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring unto my holy mountain. That's the kingdom of God. Read Isaiah, the second chapter. Jesus Christ said in Matthew, the 19th chapter, the rich young ruler said, what good thing must I do that I may have eternal life? If you are to enter into life, keep the commandments. Well, I run out of time, but I urge you to get that booklet, The Saving Works of God, online on our website at britishisrael.ca. This is Peter Salemi saying goodbye, friends, and I'll see you here next time on the Watchman Program. All our literature is offered free of charge. Write to us at British Israel Church of God, 171 West Barbara Avenue, Pahrump, Nevada, Postal code 89060. Our website address is www.britishisrael.ca. This is Bill Pitsinas saying goodbye, friends. <laughs>